Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing them. This episode of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast is going to be really fun with my good friend and expert mountain bear hunter, Mo Shepard. But before we get into it, I want to ask a favor of you. And that favor is going to be doing you a favor. And that is consider subscribing to Bear Hunting Magazine. Bear Hunting Magazine is the only print all bear hunting magazine in the world. We are the big fish in the small pond, but our job and our mission is to educate, inform, and recruit, and basically spread the, the good news of bear hunting in North America, because it is good news, because bears are thriving. Everywhere there are bears, they're thriving. Populations are expanding and whatever's happening ecologically in North America has been beneficial for black bear and there's never been a better time for new people to become bear hunters. And so that's our mission, to make bear hunting great again. So hey, check out Bear Hunting Magazine and go to our web store, www.bear-hunting.com and check out our Shopify store. We've got all kinds of, I think we've got about 10 t-shirt designs got six hat designs we just came out with a new make bear hunting great again sticker we've sold a lot of check us out and enjoy this podcast this is designed to be 
the all-encompassing discussion about hunting black bear in the eastern deciduous forest. Enjoy. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. It is December the 6th. Yes, sir. We're at the the global headquarters, Bear Hunting Magazine. We've got the plot hound here at our feet in front of the heater. It's kind of a dreary day out there. I've got a good friend of mine and a better hunter, Mo Shepard, with me in the office today. Mo, we were just talking. You were here a couple months ago. Yeah, just about... uh... Right, it's about the time archery season opened here in northwest yeah. Arkansas when I stopped by. Yeah, I've talked to you a lot since then, but that's yeah. the first time I've been here since then here in yeah. person. So, yeah. Before I really introduce Mo, I want to I want to tell you what we're going to talk about, and and kind of why I invited Mo in. But in on this podcast, we're going to talk about public land bear hunting, without the use of bait, without the use of hounds, just getting out in the mountains in the eastern deciduous forest and finding bears and there's it's really a difficult hunt western hunting guys are glassing there's open terrain there's vast amounts of public land and, and like western spot and stalk bear hunting is radically different than eastern deciduous forest spot and stalk bear hunting which the eastern deciduous forest basically we are right on the edge of the eastern deciduous forest you go you go 200 miles west, and you're into almost the plains of plains, Oklahoma. Plains, flatlands of Oklahoma or Kansas, southern Kansas, right. any of that. So, and then, But then if you go to the east, of, and we're in northwest Arkansas, let me say that, the western edge of Arkansas. You go to the east, before European settlement, there was nothing but woods between here and the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know how many yeah, especially the northern miles. Especially the northern half of the state once you head across you know when you get down southern part of the state it kind of flattens out but it stays but, pretty but pre-settlement pre-settlement I mean, it was really it was remote. arkansas was 100 percent forested yeah i mean before we flat got rolling here. hills forest yes. and then mountainous terrain forest all so right yeah so if we're talking like in big geographic sections we'll define the eastern deciduous forest from basically right where we are all the way to the atlantic ocean yeah. all the way to the gulf of mexico and all the way up to the Great Lakes, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, it's this big section of land. And there are bears. That is nat- native bear range all across that. Now, bears aren't in all those states, but there are a lot of guys bear hunting in Arkansas, in Tennessee, uh, the Virginias, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. Georgia is a big spot and stalk bear state. Um and so what we're going to talk about, even though you and I are from Arkansas, so we're going to be talking about Arkansas bear hunting. But I think it will apply to anybody that's hunting bears in big mountain country uh, in the eastern side. Yeah, on the forest. eastern side, yes. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's such a unique hunt, and it's a super difficult hunt, and we're going to talk about that. And you got a ton of history. I've got some history. But before I do that, I want, I want you to – uh, well, I'm going to introduce you, and then I want you to inter- you. I want you to tell a little bit about yourself. But man, I met Mo <clears throat> probably ten years ago, uh, a little longer than that. Probably, probably longer than that. Yeah. And Mo Mo is a mountain man. I mean, Mo Mo's family is your dad homesteaded up on out at White Rock, 
back, back at your, your, yeah, my, your family. Yeah, my family. I'm my great-great-grandfather homesteaded that in the 1820s. Right. Up in the mountains of, of the White Rock Mountains, as we call them, you know, of those yeah. arcs. So. Yeah. And there's mountains out there named after your family and uh, – uh, a lot well, of history. The lake, the lake Shepherd. I'm, I'm thinking of Lake Shepherd Springs. Yeah. Uh, um, so you, you have a lot of history in the mountains, and you have grown up hunting the mountains your whole life. And I think you told me one time that the doctor said you walked kind of yeah. crooked. Walked crooked because I never was on any flat ground. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you, man, you're a, you're an accomplished deer hunter. I mean. You, these mountains are hard to hunt for deer and hard to kill deer. And Mad Mo's just every year he's killing a nice deer. And you're an accomplished bear hunter. You were, you were one of the first guys that I ever met in Arkansas that was on purpose killing bears. On public land. On yeah. public land. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's what you, you'll hear me say in the way that I'll say it is that there aren't many guys on purpose that are killing bears on public land in Arkansas. Yeah. There's several bears get killed in the mountains, and most of them are killed by accident that are just deer hunters just out there Incidental deer hunting. deer hunters. And, and bears come by them in their stands or whatever, and they, they get to harvest the bear, which is nice, you know. Yeah. But it's it's a tough job to go out there and just concentrate on bears uh, anytime during the hunting season from late September to usually the season closes in recent years, end of November, you know. So yeah. but when I first started, they didn't open the season until December. Yeah. In the first few years, you know, uh, I hunted four or five years there. I never saw a bear. Yeah. Found lots of sign and stuff and, and never saw a bear. Was, you know, it, it was just because 90% of them were probably already dinned up because our weather has changed so much in the last 25, 30 years. This time, 25, 30 years ago, there was snow on the ground. You know, it mm -hmm. never got above freezing, which we've had some cold weather this year. But yeah. the, the the climate has changed so much it's made – bear hunting probably a little easier now than it was They're back in the longer. 80s when i first started in the 80s bear right. hunting so right well i i kind of gave an introduction to you but how would you introduce yourself mo well i just uh i grew up in the mountains uh, on a farm you know and and uh and when i when i was growing up as a kid in the 60s and 70s uh we didn't have a lot of deer there was deer but you had to hunt hard to find a deer, and if right. you took a spike buck, uh, you'd got a trophy, yeah. you know, because they were just hard to find back then. And mm. uh, and then, uh, like I said, I, I, I was born in, in 1960, so in the early 80s is when they first started opening the bear season, or I guess it's mid-80s. I, I think it was 1980. It might have been. I, I know, think it was exactly I know I was graduated. I was out of high school. Okay. And I went to Votech school and was living in Ozark at the time. Going to so that was that was 1980 when I was yep, down there. That's when they started the bear season. Yeah, in Arkansas. and uh, and uh, I started hunting there when I could a little bit, and just uh, it just interested me. You know, I'd read yeah. stories about bear hunting and stuff, and never done it before. I knew there was bears around, but uh, and uh, and that's what got me interested in bear hunting. Of course, I, I love to deer hunt. I have hunted my whole life in the mountains. That's about the only place I hunt. Uh, I turkey hunt a lot in the mountains. I've been turkey yep. hunting since I was a teenager, and uh, you're an accomplished turkey hunter. And uh, and then I've been bear hunting, like I said, since since the early '80s. And uh, to make yourself a good bear hunter, you gotta you gotta pay attention when you're turkey hunting. You have to pay attention when you're deer hunting and look for signs and spots and trails and 
old sign right. and and terrain right. features and stuff and and you got to remember that stuff when you because when you strike out to go bear hunting in the mountains you know in in the in the remote rugged mountains you can walk for days and never see a bear track or any That's bear right. scat That's if right. you're in the wrong places so yeah i want to stop you there i want to go back and this is an introduction kind of to to you but also to me and this is something i've talked about you said something earlier that you said when you were a kid there just weren't deer and to kill a spike buck was a big deal and i grew up in mina which is two hours south of where we are right now very similar country to where you're talking about Mm -hmm. i mean like big blocks national forest low densities of deer and man to kill a deer was a big deal i mean i'm I, i was born in 79 so i'm i'm 39 years old and i'm talking like an old man and i'm 58 it was a big deal to (laughs) kill a deer and you know what i think that has become the best hunters that i know in arkansas are guys that grew up hunting when it was super tough and they appreciated a deer and they really learned how to hunt a deer and they i think even more than you learn it's like you just value so much taking game and being in, you know, just finding game that, that it makes you a better hunter. So I think sometimes the, the rough start, you know, because, I mean, we definitely have a lot more deer and oh, yeah. a lot more bear than we've ever oh, yeah. had. That's why I said a lot I more mean, bear, deer, everything. So. And, and so, anyway, I think that's what has made a lot of good hunters is tough country and tough hunting. Um, I wanted to, uh, I want as well to describe, to kind of set the context because you 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 went you were there on the first Arkansas bear season. I think that's cool. I yeah. would I would have been a year old about that time. But um, so Arkansas at one time was was known as the bear state. We had fifty thousand biologists estimate we had fifty thousand bears in the state. One bear per square mile. Arkansas is basically fifty thousand square miles. By nineteen hundred, they estimated that there were less than fifty bears in the entire state. They were extirpated. They were locally extinct, basically, in many parts of Arkansas. And it was because of landscape-level logging. I mean, they were – the eastern markets were so hungry for timber. They I wiped mean, the timber out. I mean, they, they took out the wildlife habitat. I yeah. mean, there just wasn't a place for animals to live. That's why the deer were down and everything. Lo- so landscape-level logging, market hunting was a big part of it too. Market hunting, which has nothing – Every time I say this, I always qualify it. Market hunting has nothing to do and is in no way comparable to the hunting that we do today. Market hunting was guys that were going out and making a living killing animals, selling their hides, selling their meat. I mean, if you'd have killed a bear in Arkansas in the late 1800s, I mean, all the way back from, you know, from 1900 back, if you'd have killed a bear, there was a good chance you were going to try to turn some of that meat into money. I mean, you could take it into town and sell that animal. I mean, you keep what you wanted, keep what you needed. Sell what you didn't to make you something I mean, to live off of. With so other there means. was, yeah. uh, there was, there were guys were killing lots of bear. There was a, there was a, and this is just some interesting history about Arkansas. In the, there's one tax record of one single company in a town called Oil Trough, Arkansas, that in one year's time put 900 bears through their books. And wow. what they did, what they did was they were, they were fully utilizing the meat, the hide, and the oil. And it was called Oil Trough, Arkansas, because they rendered bear oil. 
all the bear fat in to make yes. oil out of it. And so, I mean, you think about like today, our biggest bear harvest in Arkansas are between four, you know, three to five hundred bears per year. So this is one company. I mean, so how many companies were there? I don't know. Were there 10, Probably 20? not many, or, though. <laughs> there may not have been many, but, I mean, they killed 900 bears. So basically by 1900, there were no bears left. And then in between 1954 and 1964, the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission traded bass and wild turkey with a couple of Canadian provinces and uh, I believe Minnesota and in that 10-year period, without public input, they brought 254 bears down here in wire trucks in the back of pickups. There's pictures of this. I've seen some of those pictures. Yeah. And, so, and then and they turned those bears out over the course of 10 years in three different places. And one of them was uh, in northern Franklin County. Um, I, it, I, it escapes me. I believe it's Black Mountain. On Black Mountain. I know that okay. fact. Okay. Well, the, and they they put they put cattle troughs out, filled those cattle troughs with dog food, and basically just turned these bears out by these cattle troughs. And so, between 1954 and 1964, they did that. 254 bears. They did not think that for like 10 years they felt like the reintroduction was unsuccessful. Yeah, because I mean the bears just just disappeared into the mountains, and then. 10, 15, 20 years later. In the early 70s is when they first started showing up just at random. People were starting to see bears cross the roads and stuff. I know that because I was a teenager. And then in 78, when I graduated, I moved to Ozark, like I said, to go to Votech. And I got associated with a couple of guys in the game and fish. And I actually helped them trap a couple of bears and mm. and put radio collars on or not collars i don't think they put collars on then because they were just trapping but they trapped a couple of bears and uh, helped them do that and uh, put tattoos in their right. uh, in their mouth and tags in their ear and i thought that was pretty cool i was i was uh, i'd got out of otec and i'd started work at the forest service and that's how i got associated with a couple of guys from the game and fish that mm. are both retired now mm. but uh, that was my first I guess that might have been what got me really interested in, in bear hunting was yeah. to actually see the bears up close and yeah. handle them. In the, you know, they went in the wintertime and got them out of the den and yeah. and done the stuff with them. So. Well, that, was, that would have been some of the first research they did on bears back in those days. And let me give one more statistic, and then, and then we'll move on. In, in 1990, they did the first official – research project on uh on black bears and they basically came up with a population estimate of 2500 bears in arkansas so between from 1964 when that 254th bear went out from 1964 to 1990 would have been 25 years the population increased by tenfold 250 to 2500 and so and from that time the population it's probably double that and more in 2018. And we've also, think about this, Mo, we've we've also for the last 18 years extracted out from the population three to 500 bears per year. Per year. But we still have over 5,000 bears in Arkansas. And I think 5,000 is a safe estimate myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
that's what anyway as far as the northern part of the state i don't know about the washtos because i hadn't been down there much other than turkey hunting a little bit but right in the northern part of the state every year i'm out there it seems like there's more and more sign of bears in the woods yes. more more scattered out more locations more places you know yeah when did you see your first bear first bear you were, you were born right when all this was happening yeah yeah i didn't see my first bear till i think it was in the first actual bear i saw was in i remember when it was now it was since 1978 in that fall i moved ozark i had an old ford bronco that my dad had helped me get to drive mm-hmm. the four-wheel drive because i needed it back then going up and down off of white rock mountain to ozark and places but I saw the first bear I ever saw at a, a little place called Stob Gap. Mm-hmm. And just across the road in front of you. Yeah, it just ran across the road, went up over some rocks, and it, and it was a small bear. I, after I know what I know now, I figured it was probably a year-and-a-half-old bear that had just been weaned off of its mother because it, right. it might have weighed 100 pounds at the most. Yeah. But that was the first bear I saw, and then that following year, is when I helped the game and fish trap those couple of bears and and tattoo their lips and weigh them and stuff. Okay. So. So the late seventies is when you started. Late seventies when I started seeing. Like I said, then in eighty I hunted the first. I think that was the first year they, they did have the bear season. And that, that and that was first, in December. Yeah, I was gonna say I I think I remember reading. It was that for it about was... about seven or eight years there, from eighty to maybe eighty seven, eighty eight. The season that was the only season they had was in. It was like a week long season in about early the 10th. December. Yeah, it was like the fifth through the tenth of December or something yeah. like that. And uh, did you ever find any bear sign? I found a little bit of sign and uh, actually uh, got close enough at one one time. I think it was like the third year I hunted them that uh, I got close enough that I, I could smell where the bear had been. You know, mm. they've got their own smell. And when you're especially a boar, when you're close to them, you can smell them. Yeah. And the problem was he probably had already smelt me. Yeah, yeah. And so I never saw the bear, but there was fresh scat on the ground, you know, really fresh. And, yeah. and so I think I'd spooked it out of this so area. That was, was at, exciting. That was very exciting, yes. Sign back and then. I was tense. And and, uh, and I was hunting a lot uh, close to a lot of places where I thought might be den sites because what I'd studied them and found out, I figured that late, ones that hadn't denned up, were going to be close to where they were going to den, and they were probably eating pretty close to their den sites. So I hunted around a lot of rock outcroppings or rough terrain where I thought they might be denning up. So. Do you remember anybody killing a bear during those early <laughs> yes, seasons? Yes, I do. Uh, People you knew? Uh, one guy, uh, one guy, I didn't know him, but he, he had come up and hunted with one of my cousins. And I'd actually been in this area, and my cousin had called me and asked about this spot. I said, yeah, I was in there a couple of days ago, and I'd only got to hunt like the first two days or three days. And I said, but didn't see anything, but I found some fresh sign. I said, I found where they were. Uh, I said, there was an old pond there, and I found some tracks around this pond. And I said, they'd been uh, breaking down these big old pokeberry plants, poke-sided berries. Uh, I don't know what other people call them. That's what I call them. Yeah. Have purple berries on them. And I said, I guess they'd been eating those berries. Well, Two days later, my cousin took that guy up there one evening before dark, and they sat by that pond. I think it was the last day of the season in that December. Mm. And he killed a bear up there that was about probably a 150, 200-pound bear. And 
I remember I went down in there. They'd got it and come out. They didn't have the stuff to get it out of there with. They had to come yeah. back and get an old four-wheeler or three-wheeler or something other. Yeah. And I went back in there with them. And, and where he'd gutted, uh, field-dressed the, the bear, the intestines had that purple color to them where that oh, really? bear had been eating those poke berries. So you were learning something. I was learning something reading. right there. So Yeah. But huh. that was the first bear I saw killed during during that bear season, there and that was in about few. 83 or 84, I think. I mean, there were very few. I mean, from what I remember from the statistics, and I, and I don't Oh, really, yeah, real few. I mean, like five or, yeah, or was three. It, three or five was a big kill in the year. Yeah. So, I mean, they were really just inching into, you know, wanting to hunt and harvest some of these bears. Yeah. And in, so growing up in Mena, I saw my first bear – in the back of a pickup truck in 1990. There's a picture of me, actually, with my dad. Well, a guy we knew there in Mena, kind of a legend around there that killed a lot of game, killed a bear, and everybody was like, somehow my dad found out about it, and he took us down there. And I remember walking up to the back of the truck, seeing this bear, and, man, it was like, it was it was so far removed for me to even think about hunting a bear. I mean, they were like ghosts. I'd never seen one cross the road. I didn't see one cross the road till I was in high school, and I saw one at night cross the road one time. I mean, you just don't see them. That's what people don't really understand is that, you know, a high density of deer is probably 40, 50 deer per square mile. A high density of bear, a high density of bear is like 1.3 bears per Per square square mile. mile. So you think about that rugged land out at White Rock and think about a square mile of ground. And, you know, you kind of look off one of those big vistas and you think, well, I can probably see five square miles maybe or maybe <laughs> yeah. more than that. I mean, it, at White Rock, you can certainly see more than that. But, you know, top of some ridge, you look off down the valley and you're like, how many square miles am I looking at? I don't know. Three. Two or three. And yeah. then you think. There's only two bears best, maybe at best. At best, in best whole there's two bears down in here. And, I mean, it's kind of daunting. And to me, and that's where we can start talking about some strategy and we can interweave some stories because i, I want to hear some of your success stories i want to tell some of mine um but the one the one thing that i know when you're hunting these bears is that you have to be prepared to not see game you know i mean white-tailed deer hunters and especially the white-tailed deer hunters that are being bred right now and i mean guys want to see game i mean guys are hunting over food plots hunting over wing hunt over bait in arkansas i got yeah. no problem in the world with that none but it does it does make you validated by seeing game. And you can hunt the mountains for a week straight hard and not see a bear. Uh, and and you got to be okay with that. And I yeah. want to start off the how-to section of this podcast by saying you have to be in a different state of mind to hunt a bear in the mountains. Because it's it, it's not like you're going to – like sometimes in deer hunting a success story might be like, well, I went hunting one day and I saw some deer – and I and so I kind of learned what they were doing, and I moved in on them, and I saw them the next day, and almost got them, and saw them then, and then finally it comes together. A bear story is usually going to be like, I hiked four miles today, didn't find any bear sign. Went to another place, hiked three miles, didn't find any bear sign. You know, the hiked story- two miles the next day, found some sign, but it all looked like it was a month old. Right. You know? Or and and then and this is where I was going to go with it. The fourth day. <laughs> You walk into a hollow, you find hot sign, and you kill a bear. I mean, like, and it, it's not that easy, but but that's the way my success in the mountains has been. It's it's like 
you don't know if you're going into a long desert of not being able to see bears, or you might find hot sign and kill it that day. Yes. That, but that's an unusual thing to do, obviously. But point being is that you can't be validated by seeing game. Like if if you if you are, hey dog, don't chew on that. I got my plot pup over here. We, this is a emergency here. She's <laughs> chewing on my camera case. No, no, doggy. The uh, you can't be validated. Like it's easily easy to get discouraged hunting these mountains. And uh, and I've I've kind of followed some guys that have hunted the mountains that have seen some, you know, heard some stories and been like, man, I got to get up to Arkansas and hunt and come up here for a week. And in three days they're deer hunting. You know, they're ready to go home. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't, I don't blame them, but you, you have to shift that mentality. And that's what I did when I first started. I set out in, tw- I believe it was well, twenty, twenty twelve or twenty eleven. I made a goal to kill a bear in the national forest. You know, without bait, without hounds, just to kill one in the national forest. And I, I was amazed at how far I could walk in these mountains and not see game and not see fresh sign. Wasn't that the first time me and you hunted together? Was that not in 2012? It probably was. It was probably during that time. I was thinking it was. That was the year that yeah. me and you hunted together. You know, I told you of a spot. I knew where there was and some bears. you bear put me sun. on a bear. Yeah, and you actually saw a bear that day. Mm-hmm. A That's bear in a year. That's why we it? hunted together because I probably told you. <laughs> well, I had been. I had been hunting down at Mina. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and you, said, uh, you said, hey, I found some. Well, you'd found a pond yeah. that had sign on it. You said, come. And a lot of acorns there. There was mass there on that same yeah. ridge or out of that hollow up on a little ridge there. Yeah. We went in there at daylight, basically. Yeah, I walked in at daylight. Sat there all day long. And, I, and that bear came in at 3 o'clock. It was a sow and a yearling, wasn't it? Yep. If that, if that, it was a big, it was a big old sow. I mean, when I saw her coming, I was like, here we go. This is <laughs> this is going to happen. I was in a climbing tree stand. Yeah, we both this carried. Pond. Yeah, yep. and I was up above you watching the the food supply, yep. the mascot. Yeah, the pond had. I mean, a lot of bear tracks around it, but boy, I I now know that you can sit over water for a long time and never not see. see nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but but boy, that day it worked, and they came in at three o'clock, and that that cut. It was a. 80 i don't know how big the cub was it was a it was a good size cub but still i wouldn't go shoot her she yeah. came in and she went right to that pond smelled where i had walked and she just they didn't run off i mean it's not like a deer that stomps and snorts and bounds off she just she came into that pond and i had walked the edge of that pond before i got there we we had yeah. looking for sign boy she smelled it and just turned and they just disappeared i you know i could have killed her though uh, but that was that was cool. But tell me some about just your maybe maybe your first bear in the mountains. Just some of your success and kind of what you did. Uh, yeah, the first one I killed. Uh, it was the I think the second year that they combined some of our November deer season. And bear season had got away from the had got away from the the December bear hunt that they'd had since it started in 1980, right. and I believe it was the second year, and uh, so I I found some bear sign. That, what time? What time? I mean, when would that have been? This was in late 80s or something. Yeah, you know, it was in I believe it was in 
1990. Okay. I believe it was when I killed my first bear. You know what? That's probably why the guy – I remember the year that I saw that first bear at mine. It was in 1990. It may have been because they changed the they regulations. They changed the regulations. Because he killed it in October. Yeah. Because I was wearing a short a short sleeve shirt in that picture. Yeah, they made it They made it where you could kill a bear during the October muzzleloader hunt. Okay. Or you could kill a bear the first week, I think it was, of the November rifle deer hunt. Okay. Okay. And they made it where you could kill a bear then. And anyway, uh, that year I had already killed a buck deer with my muzzleloader. And so I decided when... And I actually saw, I saw a bear, two bears during that same year I killed my first one. But it was a it was a big sow with a yearling cub. You know, probably an eighty ninety pound cub. And I remember the sow bear was coal black, and the and the yearling cub that with her with her was cinnamon. And they come right around by me. I was sitting there deer hunting, and they come, and I wasn't even bear hunting that day. But right. they come around by me. And uh, and come pretty close. They never smelt me or anything, and uh, and that it's man. I decided not to shoot because it was a sow and she yeah. still had her cub with her. Yeah. And but I went back in that same area, and uh, and wound up killing that first bear in November. And okay. on about the third or fourth day, I hunted in there, and I was just I wasn't hunting in a tree stand. I was ground hunting, but I would just try to see where they were feeding they was there was and what they were feeding on that year was hickory nuts mm. there was mm. no hardly not hardly any mast of acorns or anything but there was a just a ton of hickory nuts that year mm. and and that bear i killed when when i field dressed the bear out its stomach content they was full eat, they eat the whole the whole hull and everything they just chomp, just it. chomp it up and then their body digests i guess the goody yeah. out of the hulls but anyway yeah. it was full of hickory nuts and I've got that picture where I kill the bear and I'm sitting beside it. There's a humongous, big old hickory tree that three or four guys couldn't re- reach around. And, and that bear, I sat and watched that that morning at daylight. And about 9 o'clock, that bear come up the holla and come right under those trees to feed on. And, and I shot it and killed it. Oh, I'll be darned. <laughs> so that would have been in the early, what That's, did we say, early 90s? Sometime? Yeah, it was in, in 1990, I'm pretty sure. Okay. That was the first bear I killed. So, now you killed. Tell me about the big one you killed. The biggest bear I killed uh, to date. Uh, I killed approximately. I guess it's about ten years ago. I'd have to look to see exactly what year it was. But I think it was around ten years ago. I killed it nine or ten years ago. And uh, you could bait I don't bears. Think it was that far. I it may not it been was that long like ago. Two thousand eleven or something. Well, no, I didn't know you at the time you killed it. Yeah, it was but a couple was, years before was, that. That's right. So, it was okay. about 2009, yeah. so nine yeah, or yeah. ten years ago. Okay. Or it might have been 2010. But anyway, there was – there was uh, they'd allowed us to start baiting bears in, and I I had killed a couple of bears over bait with my bow uh, in previous two or three years. In fact, I'd killed a nice bear the year before over bait, and uh, – on my own property up in the White Rock Mountains. And uh, that year had a great big bear coming to bait in the, but only of a night. Never had any daytime pictures of him or anything. And uh, a good friend of mine at the time came up and killed a nice bear with his bow. And then I told him, I said, I'm going to find this bear somewhere. I said, he's got to be eating something somewhere out in these mountains here. So I 
it was four muzzleloader or anything open. It was during archery season. I started covering some ground with my bow. And finally, one day, I found several piles of scat along the edge of an old clear cut. I thought, this bear is feeding on something, and he's either, you know, leaving his sign, coming or going. So I yeah. spread my search, and finally, I found a little ridge back probably across one or two hollows, little hollows from that clear cut that had a bunch of red oak acorns on it. Mm-hmm. And that was there was acorns in that scat I found. So I got back in and put me up a tree stand there, and I hunted it three days with my bow. Never saw a bear, never saw a deer. Three days I hunted and didn't see anything. And then I couldn't hunt for a few days. Black powder season was to open. First day of black powder, I climbed the same tree with my black powder gun, sat there all day, didn't see a thing. And I told myself, well, I guess this bear just ain't using here anymore. Woke up the next morning, I said, I'm going to go hunt that stand one more time. <laughs> I remember telling myself that. That's where a lot of people would have quit, probably. And I went back, climbed that tree, and right at daylight, I heard sticks popping and stuff. And I looked up behind me. It wasn't where I was watching. I was expecting, because all the sign was down here, up higher on the hillside behind me. I turned in my stand, and I could see movement, but I couldn't tell what it was. And finally, I seen it come through the open. I thought, that's a bear. And it come through another, and I thought, that's a pretty big bear. That may be the bear I'm after. I don't know, you know. And so I got turned in my stand, and finally it came through a little opening. And I got my old muzzleloader up, and I shot. Bear took off at a wild run. Didn't know whether I'd hit it or not. And in about probably 30, 40 seconds after it got out of hearing from running, breaking through the stick stuff, I was pretty sure I heard what anybody that's bear hunted will know what I'm saying. They they most of the time they'll give a death moan yeah and i thought i heard it well i waited about an hour and i climbed down i went up to where the bear was standing i found where he took off kicked the leaves and started down over the hillside no blood no sign no nothing i followed it about 75 yards and it was heading into that clear cut that i was telling you about i'd found the sign by and uh i uh, got to there still hadn't found no blood or anything dad gum i guess i missed that stupid bear I guess I just didn't have my sights on it good enough. And so I just started back towards my stand to retrieve my stuff. I left my little backpack stuff up there. I went about 50 yards, and I got to re-picturing that that shot in my mind. I said, I did not miss that bear. (laughs) I hit that bear. I I know my sight was on it when I squeezed the trigger. I went back to where I found where it was running over the hill, went in the clear cut. And then it got real thick. You know, if anybody's been around clear cuts, they know how they grow up with raspberry vines, blackberry vines, briars, yeah. devil walking stick bushes, anything that pokes and cuts and scratches as it's there. Well, that thing, it went right into that stuff. So I thought, well, I'm going to follow it a little bit farther. And I went probably 25 or 30 yards into that thick mess. And finally, I just still hadn't found anything. And my problem was I was looking on the ground. Hmm. The bear was big enough that, and the bears have so much fur. I'd hit him, the bear, but my muzzleloader bullet hadn't came out the other side. There was an exit wound, so the right. only wound was the entry wound. Right. And I'd push some old briars and stuff out of the way, maybe some of those devil walkers just to get through there. I looked at my hand. I had blood. I thought, dadgum, I've cut my hand <laughs> on these things here. And then I looked, and I wasn't bleeding. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it hit me. That's blood from the bear. Mm. And I was close to him. I didn't know at the time I looked, and I could see something 
dark laying out in front of me 20 or 30 yards. I thought, well, that ain't that bear. That's a big old log. It's too big to be a bear anyway. <laughs> and it was so thick there I couldn't get through to where he's at. So I circled around that thicket and come to the back side of it, and I was probably 20 or 30 yards from where I thought was a log. And I never found no more blood on bushes or anything. I thought, well, I'm going to go up and see if what that is laying there. And I got up when I got close, a little close to it in the thicket, I realized it was a bear, and I realized it was a big bear. <laughs> and like I said, it's my biggest bear to date. He squared out at seven feet, and we tried weighing him uh, on the only scales I had that we took down in there and hoisted up on the come-alongs and hoisted up. But the scales only went to 440, and he bottomed the scales out. So I know the bear was somewhere, and he's heading – Front feet wasn't him off the ground when he bottomed the scale out. So I know he yeah. was over 500-pound bear. So. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I finally measured his skull a couple of years after after uh, I'd got him. I didn't know much about scoring bears or anything, but uh, he measured 19 and 7-8s, whatever that would be, on the bear score. Yeah. So Yeah. Dandy. A dandy bear. <laughs> Man, it's a big deal to kill a, a big, I mean, a big adult male like that in the mountains yeah with no you know just to go out and find one that's that's tough to do like i said that the only other good big one that i killed out hunt like that was another one kind of the same scenario uh, and it was a large bear it was it, it was uh i was able to get a four-wheeler close to it and we was able to load it up and we hauled it out and field dressed it weighed 325 pounds 325. 325. So it's probably high 300s. High 300s, and it was a big bear, you know. But Yeah. Well, let me let me tell my story about <laughs> the big bear that's right behind you. Yes. I've got a full body. The only full body mount bear that I have is a big color phrase bear that I killed down in the Washtals. And, uh, and Mo remembers it because we, we were competing. <laughs> <laughs> we were competing. No, I was hunting we up were. here. I was hunting up here, and you were hunting that's in the right, Washtals that day. Right, remember? That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was last uh, day, wasn't it? The very last, last day. day of bear yeah, season, it was, it was November the thirtieth. Twenty thirteen is actually the first year that I had this business, had Bear Hunting Magazine, yep. and uh, this this the story I told earlier kind of reflects this story. Is is that that may have been one of the first years I really was just dead set. I mean, even more than deer hunting, I was like, I'm going to kill a bear in the National Forest. You told me that. And I I, I was had just been pounding the mountains. And, uh, and I, I don't think I'd hunted four or five days in a row, but it was like I had hunted four or five days cumulatively over the last, you know, ten days. Let's just say that. And I had been to two different places, and I had actually seen some bear. Yeah, I had, uh, you know, by by late November, the leaves are off the trees. Uh, the the rifle deer season's been going for th- three weeks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's people in the woods. But by late November, a lot of people are done. So the woods seem kind of like a desert. And uh, basically, I'll just sum up my story to get to the actual hunt, is that in four days of hard walking, I mean, I, I, I was just walking, looking for signs, looking for fresh signs, what I was doing. I think I sat in a saddle one day that had a little bit of water in it and actually saw a young bear. Um, and then the next day, I, uh, not the next day, some point during that time, I I jumped a sound cub, but had no opportunity to kill a bear and actually felt like I had had a massive win in having two bear encounters, yes. you know. Um then 
November 30th was the last day of the Arkansas Bears season. It was uh, Saturday after Thanksgiving, and it was a Saturday. I remember that. I had my son with me. He was staying with my mom and dad. And anyway, I decided to go to a totally different area that I hadn't been to in several years. Hadn't even been in there in years, actually. And uh, left the truck at daylight with full intentions of not being back to the truck until dark. You know, carried just a small pack with just bottle of water and i was doing the same thing that day a little bit of food yeah yeah i left out of the truck when you could see to walk and pulled up on this little ridge and the first thing i noticed when i got on the ridge was there was white oak acorns that were still good you know they hadn't rotted yet for whatever reason at that point in time and i just thought well that's good it's white oak acorns i kept walking up this ridge and all of a sudden i bust a flock of gobbler turkeys i see I hear, and, and, you know, going up the ridge, is there's seven or eight gobbler turkeys. And I go, oh, that's cool. I kind of just walk on through those turkeys, and I bust a doe and a yearling, which in the mountains to see game is a big deal. I'm telling you, in the four days of walking that I had done, I had not seen a single deer or turkey. I saw two bear. Uh, you know, I had the bear encounters in all, the, in all that time, but, I mean, I had not. You just don't see games, so I was like turkeys, deer. I mean, it was it was it was almost like a divine moment, <laughs> because no sooner than those deer bounded off, I saw a fresh pile of bear scat on the ground. I mean, almost like smoking hot. I don't know <laughs> if it really was, but it was fresh. I mean, it, there was no question. And I I I remember just saying, "This is what I'm after. This is what I've been looking for." There's a bear. Got to be close. And and I didn't know the area. Just got to find him. Yeah, now I got to find him. I, I knew I knew the immediate area fairly well. I knew that this ridge went up and tied into this main mountain, and there was a pretty nice saddle about three or 400 yards from where this bear sign, I found this single pile of bear scat. And, uh, and I said, well, I'm going to go sit in that saddle all day. That was my plan. Went up to the saddle, sat in the saddle. I'd planned on walking that whole day, so I didn't wear a lot of clothes. And I sat there for two hours and got cold. Wind was blowing the whole time out of the west. Wind was, well, no, 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 no. I was in the saddle. The wind was swirling. The whole time I'm in this saddle, I'm thinking, this bear's probably already smelled me and knows I'm here and this hunt's dead and I'm just going to sit here all day and but I was like, well, that's what you got to do. At about 10 o'clock in the morning, two things happened. I got cold, and the wind started blowing steady out of the west. It just started hitting me, and I noticed it was steady. And I thought, man, I'm going to get up and just kind of walk off down this ridge. The only reason I chose that direction was because the wind would have been, been in my your face. face. And I had actually never been off the side of this ridge. I So I dive off the side of the ridge and let me tell you too what i'm carrying i'm carrying a muzzleloader at that time i actually didn't even have a good deer rifle i mean i was primarily focusing on bow hunting and uh, I, I did not own a, a a good deer rifle i had a good muzzleloader so it was rifle season but i'm carrying a muzzleloader i walk off the side of this ridge and i'm just kind of stalking into the wind just looking and i come across a big rock outcropping and i go man that's pretty I walk up on this rock outcropping and decide to go stand up on top of it and take some pictures. Had my camera with me. You know, I'm writing articles and stuff 
for the magazine. So it's like, I'm going to take some pictures of this. And I'm up there taking pictures on top of this rock. And uh, you can see good off down through this, this. I mean, you can see probably 75 yards. And I see a flash of black. And it was, it looked like bear ears. And I saw a bear laying on a rock, lift its head up, turn, and lay its head down. I mean, it's amazing, the human eye, what you can see. Because you would never think that you could have seen that. But it was just, it was like a flashing neon sign. You know what it's like, you know. <laughs> and I, I see this bear pick its head up, see two big old Mickey Mouse ears, and I see it lay its head down. And I I, I remember the feeling. I just said, holy cow, this is it. This is what I've been after. I don't care if it's big. I don't care if it's small. This, this is my, my opportunity. <laughs> Wind was hitting me right in the face. And it was a unique place to stalk a bear because there were these boulders. You've seen pictures of, well, yeah. that picture in my office right yeah. behind my bear. Yep. There's these huge boulders. And so I couldn't shoot the bear from where I was at. I couldn't. I could hardly see the bear. The bear was laying flat. I could just see like the tops of his ears and his head. And I was able to step on rocks and never touch the leaves. And I would stalk like 10 yards closer and look through the scope. And, I, you know, I didn't want to get any closer than I needed to, but I had to see the bear. I had to see his vitals. I had to not have – even though you could see good, it wasn't open woods. It just there were no leaves so you could see. <laughs> and so I, I walk, walk, walk. You know, I get to – the bear was – let me just start off. The bear was 60 yards away originally. So I walked to 50 yards and pull up the gun. I'm like, well, I can see him a little bit better, but not good enough for a shot. So I stalked to 40 yards. And this whole time, I mean, I'm just kind of in the wide open. I'm thinking at any moment this bear is going to throw his head up, see me wearing hunter's orange and stuff, and we're going to have a rodeo on our hands as it's running off and I'm trying to shoot it with a one-shot <laughs> muzzleloader, you know. And so this whole time, I mean, I'm, I'm just on red alert. This is my opportunity that I've been waiting for. I go to 30 yards. I mean, I'm just right in this bear's hip pocket. But he's laid out flat, and you just can't see him. And I still can't get a good shot. And so I walk up to 20 yards of this bear, and I just, I'm like, well, there's no sense in getting closer. And I sit down and get the gun propped up on my knee, and, I mean, I'm just waiting. And I don't know if I should whistle at the bear to get it to stand up. I don't know if I should just wait for it to wake up, try to decide what to do. While I was sitting there, the bear rolled over. I remember seeing its legs go straight up in the air just like this, Mo. Roll. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, I feel like this is a 200-pound black bear. When I say black bear, I'm not talking about species. I'm talking about the color of his fur. I felt like it was a 200-pound black colored bear just average bear i'm 20 yards from it i should really be able to tell what it is i just know it's big enough that i'm going to shoot it well i'm just sitting there sitting there sitting there and i know and the wind is still just solid coming right hit me right in the face i'm trying to decide if what i should do and the bear has his head laid over the top of a rock and i can see the whole top of his head and i just go man I can drive tax with this muzzleloader. I'm just going to shoot him right in the top of the head. And uh, I mean, I can see his whole body. He's just sunbathing on top of this big flat rock. And man, I just put the crosshairs right in the top of his head, and pow! 
and bear never flinched. I walk up to this bear, and I'm in shock. How big it is. It's a color-faced bear. He's not black. He's, he's dark chocolate brown. And just like your bear, we couldn't weigh it, but I'm confident the bear was over 500 pounds. The, the, that mountain, my mountain looks so much alike as far as their paw size, the head on them, the yeah. shoulders, the hips, everything. I, I'd yeah. say they're nearly identical in size. Yeah. Well, I know that I had killed a 435-pound bear in Ontario two months before that. I walked up on that bear, and that's a big bear. And when I walked up to this bear, I thought, I actually said, this bear weighs 100 pounds more than more that. More than that one. But I, he probably didn't. He probably didn't weigh 100 pounds more, but he was more. And anyway, I was in shock. And, man, that was that was really an iconic moment for me because I set out to kill a bear in the National Forest. It was the first one that it had ever killed. And it was just such a difficult hunt, killing the last day of the season. And, you know, it, there's so much more to hunting than just, killing an animal and using its meat and hide to me it was almost symbolic of you know it was the first year that i had bear hunting magazine and i mean i really felt like that god was helping me <laughs> i really did mo i mean when i walked up on that bear thinking it was a 200 pound bear i was just like in shock this somebody's helping me well if you if you remember back those days i'm gonna butt into your story but those four or five or six days you hunted over that 10 or 12 days span, I'd done about the same thing up here in the mountains because mm-hmm. we were talking back and forth between mm-hmm. our hunts. And you said, well, I'm going this last shot down there, back down where I'm going. And I said, well, I'm going to go where I've been going because I, I had found some fairly fresh sign, scat and stuff, but I hadn't saw a bear yet. And uh, and I remember I hunted that whole day, and that night you, you got a hold of me after you got the bear hauled out and everything and said, hey, I killed a huge bear day and i'm like you're lying to me yeah yep yeah that was a cool that was a cool hunt and yeah and 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 we were comparing notes and i was learning stuff from you about how to hunt those bears back and i mean there's a they're just it's tough to hunt them well like but, and like what you said a minute ago and we were talking about it on those hunts we were going on that year you killed this one that you're talking about uh is i said you it ain't gonna do you no good to hunt where they're not you gotta you gotta just keep covering ground till you find fresh sign and then concentrate on setting looking watching whatever yes because you sit there for a week on old sign and never see that bear because that bear ain't gonna come back through there more than likely yeah well and that's a good that's a good point for us to actually start start talking about the nuts and bolts of hunting the big forest in in what you just said is what I tell people right off, if I'm trying to give them the short version of hunting bear in the big woods, is you got to cover ground until you find fresh sign. Fresh sign. And then hunt them like deer. Yeah. And because bear, the, where, the way that bears use their range is that they use it just like they use a bait site. They'll come into a bait site and they'll key in on a food source for an extended period of time. Sometimes not a real long time. 10, 12 days or something. I mean, or, or, or they'll, they'll, they'll utilize the food source until the, the resource is exhausted. Another bear's run them out of there. Or humans have run them out or, of there. Or they feel Whether threatened. they be deer hunters or whatever they are. So. And so what I think happens is these bears, they're, they'll find a ridge, like a red oak ridge, white oak ridge, 
and they'll just use it until they got a reason to leave. And they'll use a relatively small area. And in the fall, and, and we're talking about fall hunting here. We hadn't said that, but all the eastern deciduous forest is fall hunting. No, there's no spring hunts. Um, the bears' ranges get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller the closer they get to denning period. And so they're, they're being a lot more selective about where they're feeding and they're using these smaller areas. But, I mean, so what you said is right. you got to just scout and find the sign, find where they're at. But what would you say, okay, walk me through, Mo. You said earlier that there's a big difference between hunting early season and late season. Kind of kind of walk me through the progression of the fall with a bear here. Yeah, uh, if you're hunting early season, which our season opens with archery, you know, in the end of September, the last, usually sometime in, during the last week of September, uh Food supplies is totally different than the the mast is still up in the trees. Hickernuts are still up on the trees. There's more hickernuts on the ground than there are uh, acorns because some of them have fall off. Squirrels knock them off and bears will yeah. eat those some. And so that's one thing you got to keep in mind if you're hunting. But what I've found over the years is if if there's not much else to eat and all is, is up in the trees is the acorns, those bears will climb those trees yes. and eat the acorns out of the trees. They'll bend limbs over to them and just strip them off and eat them right sitting up in the trees. I've found the sign of that several times. Yes. When I've been out early bear hunting, find where they've clawed the trees, climbing up in them. And then you look up in the trees and you'll and you'll even find some branches that they break plumb off, like off white oak trees. They'll break break branches off the size of broom handles, and eat the acorns off, and just drop them down on the ground out of the yep. trees. And you'll find that sign. If you find a place like that, and there's more acorns, that bear, those bears may not be on those trees, but in that area, if there's more white oak mast, scout that area even harder. Look, to spread your scout, and, and you may be able to find where they're feeding on on some more trees that still have acorns up in them. Yes. But they'll totally rid a tree of acorns. I mean, yeah. they'll wipe them, plumb out of a tree. Yeah. And see, have you ever saw that, that clay? Heck yeah. The, the, the reason that I think. We haven't keyed in on that more, Mo, is just in the last few years we've had a season that opened up in September. Usually we're hunting starting in October. Later when the mast is on the ground. On the ground. Man, listen to this. I talked to a biologist in Oklahoma the other day to do about an interview about a, something, a bear hunt over there. And uh, their season starts in September, first Saturday in September. And the very first thing he said to me, was he said, you hunt these early season bears in Georgia like squirrels. He said, you, I mean, literally walk and listen for and look for sign from them being in the trees. In the trees. And so, and, and I think, and when he said it, I was like, yeah, that's what we do. I mean, the, the bears that I killed uh, with my longboat, with my mm-hmm. recurve, man, they were climbing trees like crazy up on the top of that mountain. I mean, breaking stuff out. But... He said it so quick, it made me think, well, they're hunting in September. All the acorns are in the trees for the most part, early September. But anyway, that's a hot tip for early season hunting. And another early season is what you were saying, that the later it gets in the season, even if it's dry, the less the water holes are as good. 
when it's hot weather, they don't they like they got to have water to drink, just like any animal. Yep. But they love to cool off in the water too. Bears do. Yeah, they do. But the later it gets, the less they use. So if you can find a water supply they're using, whether it be an old pond, a seep, you know, a spring out of the side of the mountain, uh, whatever it is, the, in that early, if if you're hunting somewhere where the season opens early and it's still hot weather, if you find a good water supply, then it pays to hunt it. But I think it, it it's most apt to score for you the middle of the day to the late afternoon. I don't. Yeah. I think you kind of waste your time hunting it in the early mornings. Right. But I, I think well, that and that's after, a great midday afternoon to late evening is a good time to hit the water holes. But that's a great tip number two is water holes when it's dry. And every year's different. You know, I love water holes. I killed a bear over a water hole a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, it was dry. And the bears were using it, and it's easy to tell. Water holes are like awesome because you can tell if a bear's there, and you can tell if he's not. Go to a water hole, and there's no tracks. There's not a bear there. You go to a water hole, and there are tracks. He's there. But like this year, Mo, I didn't even check my water holes because of how much rain we had, especially down there where I'm hunting. Yeah. I mean, Water was not a limiting factor. Yeah, well, see, uh, open, opening day of our archery season this year here in in Arkansas, the week before I'd went to a water hole, an old pond down in the in remote terrain, and it was just tore up with sign of deer of bears using it. You know, they had a couple of trails coming into it, tracks around the pond. My plan was to hunt it opening day. Well. The day before opening day, it starts raining here, and right. it rains two days straight. Just floods everything. So yeah. that shot bear my, doesn't that care. Was, that was what I was banking on to bear hunt this year early in bow season. I didn't even go because there was no need of me going. Yeah. And I hadn't scouted anything. that was I hadn't scouted anywhere else to hunt a food supply. I was concentrating on going to hunt that water supply, so I didn't hunt that. Yeah. Now, a bear doesn't care if he drinks out of a pond or a creek or a mud hole mud I mean, hole or seep they, they anything just, they just after water they just want the water easiest, drink. most convenient yep. place so it's not like they're gonna go out of their way to go drink at a fresh creek or at a pond or something but uh, if it is dry later in the season like in november and you're hunting for bear then if you find a combination of a of a some type of food supply and a water supply is on the same ridge or in the same hollow or same drainage, then that would make the chance of your success being even better, I think, if right. you've got the two of them. Because they're and eating is, a ton of calories. And that's that's the biological side of the fall. They call it hyperphagy, the the fall feeding frenzy. They're yeah. trying to gather enough groceries to go to sleep for three months, and so they're eating a ton. And just like you or I, if we ate a big old ribeye steak and, and a they're, potato, And they're more apt, the later it gets, the more apt it is you're going to see one in the daylight hours because yeah. bears are nocturnal. Yeah, most like of the year, they like to be. Yeah, but when that hyper thing you're talking about, yeah, when they're I think when it hits them, it, it, then they feed more in the daytime around. because they rest on and off through the night a little bit as they're feeding. But yeah. then they're going to feed some more during the daytime if they can hey, get to. Let me tell you what I learned by having a trail camera over a water hole for like a year. I, I've got a trail camera up for, I had it up for over a year in the same place. The one thing that I have found is that when the bears are using it, when it's dry, is that there is absolutely no consistency to when they come, Mo. I mean, because I've got, I'm not going to say hundreds of pictures of bears, but 
well over 100, probably not 200. And I began to analyze those photos for time. I mean, I didn't really statistically do it, but just I was like, you know, started logging. Well, this bear was here at this time. This bear was here at this time. And I, my opinion is that it is absolutely 100% random when they're coming. Because I had the same thing. I thought most, you know, I thought 60% of these bears are going to be coming in the heat of the day. And that's not what I found on my camera. I mean, there was, it was, it was, I could not find any trend in when they showed up. The other thing that I couldn't find a trend in was how consistently they showed up. Other than that, they never showed up two days in a row, the same bear. I mean, really, like this pond, yeah. they, were, they were over the course of, let's just say one card pool, which would have been like three months. Like I'd go up there, you know, maybe every three or four months and check this camera. During one of those periods of time, you would see a bear, he'd be in there, and then he may not show back up for another week, but two days after he came, there was another bear. And it, it was it was quite random. I mean, in, in, in one day, for instance, I hiked all the way back in there to hunt, and I checked the card, and there had been a bear there that morning. And so, obviously, that's something that you get excited about. Like, man, there's a bear close. But I actually, it actually made me think there's probably not going to be a bear here the rest of the, the, rest of the day. Because, that's day because one's already been here. Yeah, they just don't. It's just like it was just so random. Um, but at the same time, you you can't kill them if you're not there. And, and I, I sat on that water hole for 30 hours cumulatively in 2017 and never saw a bear. And that, that water hole has been actively used. I mean, it, it was it seemed random. It probably wasn't random. There were probably bears that were coming in that were smelling me or something. But I would I would hunt and I mean I'd hunt all day and not see a bear, leave. When I come back in and check the camera, there'd be a bear there the next day at ten o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the afternoon. And it's like every time I hunted, they wouldn't come in. <laughs> and uh so it was it was either I was just drawing the short straw, or they were smelling me. But anyway, waterhole hunting's tricky, especially in these mountains because the yes. wind swirls and stuff. Well, that's one thing I will say about bear hunting. It's important to for deer hunting for your scent and stuff, but bear hunting, especially when you're hunting them in their habitat, not on bait. I mean, it's important on hunting over a bait site to the you right. know as far as your scent, but. When you're out there in their environment and they're not used to smelling or seeing anybody in that remote canyon or up on that high rocky ridge like where you killed your big bear, yep. if if they catch any scent of a human, I say that's your hunt's over yep. for that bear. Yeah, yeah. So you got to always, like you did on that day, you made sure the wind was in your wind. favor and went down that ridge and yeah. and was able to kill that bear. Hey, let's talk about where to find bears because okay. that's a that's a big thing, especially for somebody that maybe you know you and I grew up in these areas that we're hunting, and it's kind of like they're just berry areas. I mean, like they're just places that like everybody knows there are bear, a lot of bear over in this area, and maybe less in this area. 
And I'm and talking maybe about not like, very many bears at all in another area, even though they look similar. Just looking at them, by, right. looking so across the top of the mountain. A, if you were just looking at a map and you just looked at a big chunk of national forest, you'd say, "Well, this spot would be as good as this spot," but they're really not. So, so it helps to have like the local knowledge. Like if you went down to—I don't want to use any names—but I mean, if you went down to one of these towns around here and said, "Where are the bear at?" Somebody might throw out the name of a drainage or a hollow or, or a, a ridge or community or just or a little community. You know, they'd say, well, boy, you know, such and such has got bears all over. Yeah. And, I mean, that's where I'd start. It's like just where there's a good concentration of bears. So even like here in the Ozarks, a lot of bears here, but there's certain – there's just certain places that there's more, it seems like. But um, – and then just having a – a, a little bit more knowledge there it helps but in general describe where you would start looking for a bear in in the in the hardwood mountains or hardwood forest of these mountains here in northwest arkansas uh, i think two things when i'm looking for bear i look for actually three things i look for remoteness farther away from dwellings homesteads you know farms yep because farms usually have dogs and that's something bears hate is dogs yeah i think of roughness rugged terrain and that kind of comes inside with being away from dwellings and people yeah another thing that i i don't know why they do but over the years i've found more bear sign around old cutovers or old clear cuts that have grown up, not fresh clear cuts, old clear cuts that's several years old that grow up to where you just can't see very far, anywhere in them. And those three things, either one of them will work for bears, but if you find those three components and put it together in a drainage or on a ridge or or on the side of a mountain, down on two or three benches of the side of a mountain, on a big high mountain that's, you know, a long way from the creek to the top of it. If you find those three elements, then that's a good place to start your looking, like me and Clay were talking about, to cover some ground and try to find some fresh sign to hunt. Yeah. That's that's I where think, I would I concentrate. Think, I think that's the best description, a good description of what I would say is just you just got to get away from people. I mean, these bears... Bears are reclusive animals. They don't want to be seen. They're not tolerant of humans, especially in wild places like this. Now, a bear will walk up in your yard and eat your chicken feed in the summertime. Yes. But that's a different... <laughs> whole different ball it's, game. It's a whole different ball game. When you're out there hunting them, they want to be away from roads. They want to be away from everything. And so, I mean, just the more remote you can get, the better. That's 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 my analysis. At the same time, a bear is going to be where you find him. So if you find bear sign close Hunt to it. the road or something, I mean, yeah. Hunt it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, they, they they use a vast swath of terrain. Um, if there's no acorns, if there's no mast, if there's no hickory nuts in this remote canyon down here, but there's bears in that canyon, and for some reason this one year, mast hits up on top of the ridges, right on top of the ridges where the fields and stuff from farmers break down into the hardwoods, that's where you need to hunt them because they're going to be feeding on that stuff up there, even though it's closer to the deal. Yeah. But they're at that place because in below there is where they normally stay in the remote, rugged terrain where there's yeah. clear cuts and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a, a buddy of mine that's a good mountain hunter told me 
and he doesn't really target bears, but he pays attention to bears when he's deer hunting the mountains. And he told a story to me one time, and he connected the dots for me, but he, he said he had been deer hunting all day, hunting these kind of pretty ridges and, you know, kind of places that you want to sit because you can see a long ways and you just it feels good to sit there. And he, he said to me, he said, Clay, that's really not where the game and bear really want to be. They want to be down off in the rough, nasty stuff that nobody wants, wants to, to go in. in. And he and, and the reason this conversation happened was because he had he was going on a big walkabout in the mountains. He had somebody drop him off, and he was walking down somewhere else and being picked up. And he had to cross this little canyon. And the only game he saw the whole day was he, when he dove off into this into nasty can- little canyon <laughs> that you couldn't really see. And he jumped a bear, and uh, and the bear ran up out of that, and 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 basically. You know, I, I didn't make a doctrine out of it, but I mean, it's true. The places that you kind of want to hunt, like when I'm in the mountains, I want to sit like on the top of a ridge where you can see a long ways and stuff. The only reason the bear's going to be there is if there's food there. So if there's no food there, there's no bear sign there, he's not going to be there. Um, I mean, but bears, I mean, the bears that I have taken have been, some of them have been in open places, but it's because there is food there. I mean, when I say open places, I mean just like big, pretty woods. But uh, but they're bedding usually, kind of in canyons and well, like rough I places. told you, the the big bear I killed, all of his scat sign I found there. I didn't find any on that Aiken Ridge where the Red Oaks Aiken were, but two little hollows over from it where that clear cut started, I found several piles of scat that had been made for several days on and off. You know, it was old, old and. Fairly old and a little newer than fresh. Yeah. And and uh, he was a big and old bear. And and if I'd hunted that food supply, I probably would have never got a shot at him unless it was later in the year because I think he was feeding all night and then laying up all day in that old growed-up clear cut because his, yeah. his fur, I picked a bunch of that, had a bunch of those old burrs and stuff in it that you see in, yeah. coming in those clear cuts. I don't even know what they are, but it's just like little Big old cockleburrs. Cockleburr-looking things. They were all yeah. matted up in his... Uh-huh. Hair on his forelegs and under his belly and down through there. Uh huh. He was he was living in that thick stuff. Well, you know the the there's really no secrets. You just need to get away from people. You need to. You're not going to hunt a bear where he's not. Just like you told me, you got to hunt him where he is. And wherever he's at, he's going to leave sign. Yeah. You know there. Let's talk about sign for a minute. To me, the sign I'm looking for is fresh scat. Fresh. I mean, like, bear scat dries out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And when you're out in the woods, I mean, you know, use some woodsmanship and you can kind of decipher how old some scat is. It's but, easy to tell one two- and three-day-old scat from two- and three-week-old scat on bear for sure. Yeah, because it's it's bigger, moist. It looks it looks totally different. So. Yeah, yeah. So scat uh, trails. I mean, bear trails are really distinct, especially in places where the bears are neck down. I mean, if if it's just open woods, there's not going to be a bear trail. But, like, if they're coming around the head of a hollow or if, like, there's a place where they're pinched down for some it'll reason. Look, it'll look totally different from a deer trail. Yeah, describe it. The The bear trails will be, you won't see slide places and something bears don't do is they don't break stuff when they walk. They walk over stuff all the time. Yeah. And, and where they step over stuff, like there's a log or a down 
little bush or something other and, and, and like the head of a little hollow where they're going around a bench or whatever, where they step over stuff, it'll just be matted out flat where they walk over stuff. You yeah. can tell it instantly when you see it. Yeah. I know you've seen that before. Yeah. yeah. It'll just be a – the leaves will all be flat. It'll be like you stood there and stomped around in a circle for 10 minutes right. where those bears well, are I mean, crossing you got to think, we're used to seeing deer trails, which are made by inch-and-a-half wide, two-inch wide hoof, hard hoof. Yeah. And so that, you know, deer trails are these narrow things. A, a bear trail is either going to be – if it's used very, very heavily, it'll be padded out almost like a – I mean, like know, a hiking trail nearly. It'll almost look like a hiking trail. But you also see lesser bear trails where the bears are putting their feet in the same spot in the leaves. I told you about that the other day. Remember when we were discussing where I was bear yeah. hunting the other day? Uh-huh. And I smelt the bear uh-huh. and found a pretty fresh pile of scat. Remember I told you, I said, this has been a big bear. He's traveled this, coming up here eating it. I'd found some white oak acorns. Right. Well, no, they weren't white oak. They were uh, spotted oak, spotted oak right. and black oak acorns. Right. We were on the mind of white oak. But anyway, to shorten the story up, I, I remember talking to you that night, and I said I found uh, where a bear has walked up and down this hill over these rocks, come up on this flat bench eating. And I said, he's walked it several times, but I said, I can't stomp. And I said, I stomp my feet in these leaves and can't make as deep impressions as what's in the leaves right now from where that bear has been walking. Yeah. Same path up there so and back. So there's certain places where they'll they'll put their feet in the same place. And so you'll see, like up where I hunt, Mo, you'll see just randomly there'll be like a 10-foot section that there'll be seven or eight indentions. Yes, yeah, so that I found the other day was probably – 40 or 50 foot across this bench to where it got onto some rocks, and it looked like they walked across these rocks from there because I never found no more sign of their tracks or anything. But that's where I smelt the bear that day. He had been there that morning earlier during the night. Yeah. So talking about sign, too, so so tracks, well, obviously tracks, which in these woods you're not going to see many tracks unless it's crossing a road or something. Roads or a a wet seep around a pond or – or a wet sandy hollow that one crosses, like we was talking about, in yeah. the head of a hollow. Somewhere. You just don't see a lot of you just don't see a lot of tracks, but you'll see rolled logs and rolled rocks. Mm-hmm. That's a that's they a big turn sign. them over looking for bugs yeah, I mean, and beetles. So if the best way to describe it would be all these rocks that have been sitting there for a thousand years and not moved, they're going to have lichen and they're going to have this consistent appearance when you look across the mountain. When you see a rock that looks like it's glowing neon. Like, or it's brown and all the ones around it have white lichen on them. Right. Go down there and look because more than likely a it's bear has turned over. that over. Yep. And, and and you can see a rock that's been rolled for probably a year after it's rolled. I mean, it, like a rock that's it like half bar- in the ground. Yeah. It just takes them a long time to, to start forming moss or lichen yeah. on them again. So, so, and there's nothing in the woods that rolls rocks like that. Coyotes don't do it. Deer don't do it. I mean, you see a rock as big as a bowling ball or as big as a beach ball that's been flipped over. A bear did it. Yeah, you know, uh, so uh, rolled rocks, something else, sign. I don't know why they do it, but I've usually found it after, because I for several years I didn't realize it till the last few years. Especially, it seems like I don't know if it's just because they're males, but I don't see it early in the season. But late season, like now, when usually most the only bears left out are males, you find a place where you see some trails or you see a few tracks padded in continuous places is i saw it the other day when i smelt that bear there were several little bushes like from a little over bigger pencil size to about the size of broom handle maybe maybe not hardly that big 
just about the height of a bear's head when he's walking, they'll just be snapped off and broke over. Hmm. I think they get them in their mouth and let's just bite them in two. Huh. I don't know why. Have you ever noticed that? I, I can't say that I've seen that. I've but seen I've seen it in the last few years. Where they just snap them. Yeah, they just and and nothing. I mean, I know nobody's been in there because I was in a remote place the other day. Nobody had been in there. Yeah. And yeah. this had been done. You could tell in the last three or four days there were several along those padded places. I told yeah. you those bushes were just snapped off. Snapped off. Yep. What about yellow jacket nests? They That's really like them. <laughs> I, man, I see. I saw those when I was in the mountains last week. Uh, where they've they, dug them out of the ground. They dig them out big time. Get the larvae out of them. September and October. Get the larvae out of them. Nest in the ground. And uh, I bet walking up the mountain back in September when we were back there a lot, I bet I saw five or six different yellow jacket nests dug out just on one ascent up the mountain that I was hunting. Yeah. So they'll, they'll eat those like crazy. Yeah, uh, I think sometimes a few other varmints will eat them. Probably so. You know. But one thing you can tell, if a bear's done it, it'll really be dug out. If a coyote or a fox or something other digs in there, it'll just be a little hole dug in there, and there'll be a few things dug out of there. I've found the ones that I've found that bears have dug out. They pull rocks and everything up out of there when yeah, they dig yeah. them out. I mean, they've just yeah, hollered them out. Just, yeah, yeah. They get the whole kit and caboodle um, out of it. As far as sign, too, I mean, in the early season, you will see sign of them coming up and down trees. Are you looking for that? Can you, what, other, what other sign? Can you think of any other sign? We talked about trails, tracks, scat, rolled rocks, them digging yellow jacket nests out. Yeah. I mean you, you mentioned you mentioned you did mention like logs and old stumps, didn't you? Log yeah. They love rolling Mo the a bears died in Arkansas, and this is from sign, the studies they did back in the nineties. Eighty five percent plant matter, fifteen percent animal matter, and of that fifteen percent, eighty percent of that was insects. Yes. I mean, not not in, not just insects, ants. Ants. Okay, stuff. so so eighty five percent plant matter, fifteen percent animal matter for these bears in Arkansas, and of that fifteen percent, like eighty percent was ants. Wow. So I mean, they're they're rolling. I mean, go think about walking up here in right, June. Get, yeah. Rolling get, up, every rock's got ants under. It. Ants under it. Old logs have ants in them. Yeah. Old stumps have ants in them. They just lick them up. Because I found a lot of old rotted stumps, whether a tree has broke off and fell, or whether it's in where they've cut timber years ago, uh, they'll really tear them out of the ground or split yeah. them open. And, and I guess yeah. that's what they're getting out of them mainly yeah. as ants, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yep. And you know, and by the time the frost comes and you're hunting later in the fall, that kind of sign is less valuable. I mean, when we're really hunting these bears, unless early season, yeah, you could catch them grubbing and rolling rocks and find some fresh sign like the yellow jacket nest for sure early in the season. Yeah, By the time late season, you're not that stuff isn't they're not doing it. But I mean the main thing they're keying in on here is acorns and hickory nuts and beech nuts. Let's do one more segment and then we'll be done, Mo. What these bears are eating. Okay, because we're we're telling everybody find the food source. Right. And you know, there's there's multiple species of oaks in Arkansas. Um and and a bear will eat any of them. Bear's favorite food source is going to be what? In my opinion, it's the white oak acorns when yeah. they can find. I knew you were going to say that. That's why I teased you up there. <laughs> white oak acorns. It's everything. Main reason food. is because their white oaks are a larger acorn uh, in general than the, all the other acorn species, other right. than red oaks are. But usually, you don't nearly have a big a mass. Uh, 
supply or, or production oaks, of, of the red oaks. When there's you a do, bumper crop of white, white oaks, oaks, there's more just, them than anything. <laughs> yes. And I've, I've, you know, they have less tannic acid in them. Yes, the shell is less. The red oak, the red oaks and stuff have more of that acid and stuff in them. They're yeah. way more bitter. So I guess they're just, they're just better for them, white oak acres. But so one that, thing that would be key. But one thing I have seen, and we discussed this earlier, the only the only time I've seen where bears climb trees late, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell this so people will know, is the last acorn to come off the trees in this northwest Arkansas is post oak acorns, mm. the small post oak acorns. Right. I have seen bears up in the trees eating post oak acorns during November really? rifle deer season. I'll be darned. Because those acorns are still up in the trees. The only time they do it, though, is if the post oaks are about the only acorns that hit. There's nothing left. There's nothing left. They'll climb the trees yeah. and eat the little post oak acorns off the trees. And okay. the first time I found that was about, 15, 16, 17 years ago, I was walking around a bench on a little ridge that had post oak acorns, and I was in there looking for deer. Deer, The bear quota had already been met. Couldn't bear hunt or anything then. And I come by a tree. I don't think I've ever told you this story. I came by a tree, and there's some limbs on the ground. Why are these limbs on the ground? They're post oak limbs. Did the wind blow bad here? I'm telling myself. Right. Well, I get on over to another. There's a big post oak tree. And nearly all the bark's gone off of it. Mm. Then it goes, bam. I thought, is bears eating these post oak acorns? I don't go 300 yards around this edge of this ridge going out towards the end of it to see if there's any buck sign out on the end of this little point out there. And I hear the awfulest commotion. I hear stuff falling. I've already come by it. I turn around, and about a 200-pound bear is coming backwards down a tree I just walked under <laughs> in a is big post right? oak tree. I'll be done. He comes shimmying down that tree and blows at me like that, and then takes off running around <laughs> the bench the other way. Of a tree like a gray squirrel. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, he was just sailing down it backwards, just yeah, yeah. And but I don't think I'd ever tell you that story. I know, but I never heard it. But uh, but that that it makes me think of stuff, old stuff that's happened, and it was yeah. you know just a nice bear. That's a good tip. If it'd been bear up. season, if I'd been bear hunting, I could have killed that bear. Right. You know. I mean, I'd had to show him on the move, but I was close. I was 20 yards away when he came out of the tree. You know, what? when you say post oaks late season, I am envisioning, and I wouldn't have thought of it unless you said it, but I have seen bears, evidence of bears climbing trees in the late season on a post oak in 2013. And that's what they're doing it for because they're if there's no other acorns, on. those acorns usually don't fall off till around Thanksgiving. Yeah. Post oaks, I've seen them many times, still on the trees, full in the trees around Thanksgiving. Huh. Wow. Well, White oaks is their favorite, and then whatever. And white oak acorns don't last very long. White oak acorns rot pretty quick, and they get eaten up pretty quick. And the red oaks seem to fall, not necessarily later, but they'll seem to hold and not spoil on the Not spoil as much, yes. And then the post oaks are holding on. Uh, Hickory nuts are falling early. Yeah, but but let me tell you this, because I've seen several bears, bears doing it. I've killed a couple of bears over them. When there's no mass crop for acorns why it happens i don't know but usually on years where there's no, i'm saying no mast no acorn mast in the mountains where i've always hunted seem like hickory nuts really hit for some reason if there's no acorns if there's no acorns there'll be a lot of hickory nuts huh huh and and i've seen bears really gorge yourself on hickory nuts i've found their scat just full of those hard pieces of hull yeah. that they've already passed through them and yeah. got all the goody out of them and it's passed what about out black gum have you ever seen them eating black gum? I've never seen them, 
but I figure they do because, and of course, black gum would look pretty much just like any other berries, whether they be uh, uh, elderberries or or pokeberry. See, the, that, and that's where I was going to go with fall food source, especially on years when there's no acorns. Is those black gum? When I was hunting last week, I saw a tree that still had black gum. A berry. Yeah. Black gum looks like a raisin. Yeah. It's a it's a little purple berry makes in the fall, and and, uh, and when they hit, there's a lot of them. It's yes. kind of like the hickory nuts. Yeah. And it seems like they hit a lot of times. We didn't have a lot of mass this year as far as acorns up in this area. Yeah. And uh, but it was an odd year. They were still mass. There was like I said, what I found mostly this year was spotted oak, and black oak acorns. And but when there's a when there's no mast on acorns for some reason I don't know if it's good Lord does it for the wildlife or what but when when there don't seem to be any acorn there'll crop be there'll be black gum berries or there'll be a lot of hickory nuts yeah what about beech nuts any of the places you hunt have beech nuts yes there is uh, is there some beech back in there there's 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 not any in the immediate area where I normally hunt but farther the little farther east I go. Uh, yeah, it seems like further east. Back the farther east. east, you get more beech nut, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, which I'll just I'll just give a, a a little community of which it's not a little place called Oark, Arkansas. Yeah, uh, you get into over that area, you get a lot more beech nut down, have especially you ever heard down me low. Give my spiel on beech nuts. I love beech nuts. Do what now? I said, have you ever heard me give my spiel on beech nuts? No, scientific spiel. <laughs> I, I learned this in college. Beech nuts in this region are called a post-climactic forest okay if you find a beach forest and if you'll notice all our beach grow on the north side of ridges or down in these hollows it's mainly down in hollows down in the hollows closer to the creek in the lower and parts and this is why it is is because when the glacier ten thousand years ago and prior to that when the glaciers had moved down to kind of like the glaciers never got to northwest arkansas glaciers stopped like up around the great lakes and stuff but the climate was a lot colder colder and the climax forest of arkansas would have been like uh uh would have been coniferous trees like spruce trees and the hardwoods were beech trees so a beach is designed for cold weather as the glaciers retreated and as everything got warmer there were these hubs in certain places where this this for this this tree that was formerly the climactic tree now the climax tree for this region is going to be oak hickory pine like if you just turn loose if you cut these woods down right here by my office and just turn them loose in a hundred years you're going to have oak and hickory mainly here but you'd have pine in some places back then you'd have cut it down and you'd have turned it loose and you'd have had beech and spruce well when when the glaciers retreated and the place warmed up there's pockets where it's those beech trees still exist. Survive. And they call the post climactic forest. So every time I go into a beech forest, I mean, it's like you're walking in like a an yeah, ancient. Yeah, and, and you're right. It seems like the northeast side of the ridges is where north, most of the, the beech now are. They call it the Messick Valleys, north facing, moist. Yeah, cool. North and east, especially. North and east is the most moist side of any hill because it has no evening sun. And yeah, then, yeah, uh, yeah. and then the, when the sun gets low on the, you know, in the short times of the year like now, it never gets over there in a lot of places. Sun never right. hits on some northeast sides of the hills. So. Right. Well, but these these beech trees produce mast, yeah. little bitty beech nut. I, I didn't see a beech nut until I was an adult, but they're they're about as big as a yeah, about as big as a pea. My dad gave me some to eat when I was just a boy growing up. Really? Yeah. 
I wasn't with him. He brought him in with him. He had been hunting somewhere. Huh. He brought him to the house. He'd pick some up, and, huh. and we ate them there. I remember that was the well, first the game. The game loves them. Yes. And when they make, they make good. And I, yeah. I hunted beech nuts for bear a couple of years ago and um, never really got on any real hot sign. But a buddy of mine, his dad and another guy, had killed bears on beech nuts. It's funny how your He's mind does shake, things. Mo's shaking his finger at me. It's funny how your mind works. About five years ago, you remember me calling you and telling you I'd shot at a big bear and missed it in yes. November? Yeah. I was hunting beech nuts then. Is that right? Yes. I'd I remember down, you were down low. I was down low. Yeah. And and I went down in there and found, actually, the day before, yes, the day before I missed that one, I was looking for bear sign yeah. and walking a little bench in a rough, rugged terrain in below the edge of an old clear cut in the bottom of a hollow. And I seen something move, and I looked, and there's this bear just on all fours looking at me. I thought, here it is. It's a good-sized bear. And so I just eased around, get my gun up. I think I even had it on my shoulder carrying it because uh-huh. I was doing a lot of walking. And just I told myself, okay, that's a good-sized bear. It's probably a 300-pound bear. I'm going to kill it. But it was looking at me, so I was moving real slow. And about that time, I seen something move, and there was a yearling cub with it. So it was a big sow and a yearling cub. Yeah. I still got my gun off in case something was to happen. Didn't know what would happen, but I watched those bears, and she took her cub then. And like I said, it wasn't a little cub. It was probably 60 or 70 pounds, maybe 80 pounds. They turned and went on around the hill. Well, when they got outside, I went on around that direction farther and got to finding beech nut on them little low benches, and then I found some piles of scat. And the next morning I couldn't hunt, but I told myself I'm going to come back in here and go farther up in there a little farther and sit and watch the dark. Well, I went that evening, and as the story was I told you then, about dark, a big bear come out, and he was a large bear. And I finally he finally came to the opening where I had a shot, but it was about a 100-yard shot shooting down the mountain. I may hit a bush, may hit something, I don't know. I didn't get the bear. I missed it. I yeah. fought it where it ran. It ran so plumb to the creek. Beach nuts. He They were in there eating, and he come right around that same. It was the same level that I saw the sow and that other, but it was a big bear by itself, right. and I missed it. Went back the next day and looked again, making sure, never found any sign of a hit or anything. Yeah. Because I was able to follow hey, it, no problem, from off that, the creek. That story is, is another good tip as we're closing down here. I find the game to be concentrated in the late winter a lot of times. Um, but in, just like you said, you saw, I saw three bears there and, and, right. and that so was in the middle of the day went, when I saw the sound, the yearling, and then the following the next day that evening, that big bear come in the same well, area. When, when food source is everywhere, the bears are spread out. Bears don't necessarily want to be all congregated I, up eating on the same food source, but by late November food source is less. And if they're still awake and still moving around, you might find the concentration of game. And I go back to my big bear that I killed in 2013. Yeah, when you saw there was There was turkeys, deer, and bear all, all in, in the, the same, same area. place. And I promise you, all around that, there was no game at all. They, they were they all were, concentrated. Where that, because those acorns. They were, were there. There were good acorns there, and they were concentrated. And that is a trend that I've found, especially in the late winter, is if you find deer and turkeys – you're probably going to find bear. I mean, if you're in good bear areas. Yeah, if you're in an area that they like to be in, they won't. I don't think, like I was telling you earlier, I don't think they roam a long ways when it's later in the season. But if there's no mast in the bottom of that holler around some old rock out carvings that we're wanting to den, then they'll go to the top of that ridge where those acorns are and then go back down there. Yeah. 
you know, work yeah. their way back and forth. So Yeah. Well, can you think of any other – I kind of wanted this podcast to be like a podcast somebody could listen to to get a pretty broad scope of hunting bears in the, in the big woods. Um, we've covered – kind of when to hunt them you know really okay let me let me just say this i think the best time to kill them is early season i do yes i i spend a lot of time hunting them in november because i've done all my deer hunting and a lot of times i just enjoy it it's yeah. cooler it's you can see good but i tell you what i hate to give away my biggest secret but i think my biggest secret is starting to be hunt them early because they're just more active in the early yes fall they are then they they're just they're moving around more they're feeding more they're making more sign they're they're climbing trees so that early season is pretty good but we're also excited about deer hunting it's hard to go out and bear hunt and it's 85 degrees here yes. so it's it it there's pros and cons and but, here uh, in this area too you're usually limited to really short hunt because we have in areas there where they have the bear quotas right here in 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 arkansas uh, like this year three days was all the season was open yeah, for archery that's tough so in my opinion, to hunt on public land, yeah, if you can find a good food supply or food supply and water supply early season when it's hot or find where they're climbing trees where the mass hasn't fell off yet, then you have a good chance of scoring. But in my opinion, the best time to score in our area up here, if you're hunting on public land, would probably be that October muzzleloader hunt. Yes. Because because it's it's a little farther along usually – Usually this year the quota got met pretty quick on it, but usually it doesn't. It's quick on and that. And by that time, bears are they're concentrated up more into their fall ranges. They're gonna for sure be on hard masts. Yeah. And boy, if you find some sign, you can probably kill them, just like you did with your big bear. Yes. Find a you found a ridge that had bear sign. Just get in there and hunt it with the right wind. Yeah. And just stay 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 after stay it. Stay after it. And man, if there's one thing that I could say from a strategy or even mental standpoint is you just got to be willing to sit and not see a bear can't yeah. be validated by not seeing by seeing game no like, just like you you hunted four or five days didn't see a bear but finally came back in there and killed like it. i said i started not even go that last day i hunted <laughs> that's always I when you kill bears gone is when you don't want to and go. i thought well I'm, I'm i'm gonna go back i'm gonna hunt it one more time you yeah. know and well i tell you what <laughs> that's what makes a good hunter mo is somebody that's willing to go back that one more time really i mean just I think of all the hunts, I mean, it just, yeah, just not, willing not to just, go. Not just bear either. It, it's the same way of deer hunting in the big mountains, you know. Like you said, whether you're hunting bear or deer earlier on this podcast, you said whether you're hunting bear or deer, you know, you got to, when you're hunting this rugged terrain, especially bear, though, you got to expect not to see anything for several several yep. hunts or several trips. Or you might go the first time and get right in on sign and, yep. and kill your bear or whatever, but. Yep. But you've got to be prepared to. Well, and I, I think you what I've done is I've learned to hunt while I scout. I mean, and I think we all do that. But it's not like I, I wrote a little story the other day and I said, I don't I don't scout before season much. I mean, because bear sign that's made two weeks before season start is of less value to me. I mean, bears may not be there by the time season yeah. starts. What I do is because I think some people are like, man, it's first day of season. I hadn't even scouted. What's the point in going? Go anywhere. Hunt, you know, slip hunt, still hunt, move through the timber slow, scout, watch, look. Keep the wind in your favor if you can. And so. So, so you're scouting and you're hunting. Yes. And you're covering ground. 
And uh, and yeah, if you're if you're going through ground, you don't think it's going to be any good. Move through it fast. When you start finding sign, or you know, slow down and 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 walk, and or maybe even just sit in a spot for two or three hours. That's what I do a lot of times in the mountains. Just move through, and maybe I'm just kind of still hunting, and then. You find some fresh sign or something, that's one to watch. And I look. may sit there for two hours and then get up and move again, you know. But, well, hey, Mo, awesome, man. Thank you. Thanks for coming to the global headquarters. Of bear hunting? <laughs> Magazine, that's right. I enjoyed it. Well, uh, we'll do this again. We'll have to, we'll for sure talk more about bear hunting. and and. Uh, but this will be a good start for some of the guys. I get a lot, I get more questions about hunting public land in Arkansas yeah. than anything. And I tell everybody the same thing. Don't come, it's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want them, don't want them out here crowding us out. All these but Texans. like this year, this year I, I've hunted bears a lot and I've killed several bears. I know for a fact this year I went one day muzzleloader while it was open, and I think I hunted five days when it was open with rifle season this year, bear hunting. And I hunted hard those days, covered a lot of terrain, done a lot of stuff. Came close to a bear the one day I was talking about earlier where I found, smelt the bear and saw the fresh scat, but I didn't see a bear. You never saw a bear. But I enjoyed it. I had a great time. And you learned a lot. I learned a lot. And see, here's the thing, is that you'll invest that same amount of energy next year probably and probably kill one. I mean, you you, you can't really do the the math on like, well, I invested all this energy and didn't kill a bear. Well, you're probably going to have to do that quite a bit before you kill one. You know, I mean, just like. I'll you, tell you something my dad told me years ago when I first started hunting, not this bear, but deer hunting and everything. And it's always stuck with me. He said, he said, when you hunt, he said, think of it this way. If you're going after a deer or whatever, you hunt one day. And if you hunt hard and you're in a good place and you don't see that, see anything, you go back the next day, your odds get better. Every day you're out there, your odds get better. Yep. He said, you know, as every day you spend, because if you spend the time, you're eventually going to get a chance. Whether you get it or not, but you're going to see that animal you're after, yep. whether it's a bear, deer, yep. or whatever. He said, your odds will get better every day you're out there. And Thank that's you. always Keep stuck with better. me. Yep. Yep. That's good. Well, hey, thanks for listening to the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I want to ask you a favor, and that is subscribe to Bear Hunting Magazine. Uh, we've got a... We're Bear Hunting Magazine is the only print bear hunting magazine in the world. We've got over 60 bear outfitters that are in our magazine from all over the country, all over Canada. We've got awesome columns, awesome content. We're just about to go to print with the January, February 2019 issue. It's going to be a good issue. Also, check out our YouTube channel. We've had over 7 million views on our YouTube channel in the last year. We're in our Bear Horizon series. So our Bear Horizon series is our kind of cinematic short film style videos we're on episode six and i think we've got about 10 or 12 episodes so check out the bear honey magazine youtube channel and keep the wild places wild right mo that's right keep them wild and enjoy them all right thanks you ever get that feeling the walls closing in the concrete jungle suffocating you you crave some wide open spaces the chance to connect with nature maybe in a spot all your own well head over to land.com they've got ranches forests mountains streams you name it search by acreage you can search by location you can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of land.com it is where the adventure begins
Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. 